welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. All right, I'm Doug Hatton, and we're trying something new today, um, new format. Instead of being online, I'm just here in the kitchen of in Lauren's kitchen. I'm here with Lauren and Katie, um, and we'll put our name tags up on the bottom so you can keep track of us. Perfect. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're having a we're just going to have a discussion today. Um, I've known these two for well, what six months? Yeah, something probably. like that. Ever since their congregation came and joined our congregation for a joint worship. Um, and we've had some discussions, um, so really good discussions. I know uh, one of the things that was on, I think, their hearts and mind, and I'll let you, I'll let them talk, but um, something about, you know, in the Restoration, in the RLDS Church, we're all from RLDS Church originally, sort of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that tradition, there wasn't a lot for women to do you could play the piano you might sing a special you could uh teach sunday school for kids maybe um kind of limited yes um and then the rlds church kind of took a direction where um they decided well women have priest have ministry so then that brought women in the priesthood that caused a division this is just a little background um, and so what I see is there was sort of a split here between two sides and one was wanting to make women kind of the same as men, I guess, in some ways. Um, equality is not always sameness, but it's sort of sameness because it'll be the same offices, it'll be the same ministries, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other end, you have people staunchly conservative, basically trying to preserve um, their ways, which included, unfortunately, that women don't really have a, much of a role. Um, and so something my wife and I have been discovering over the last four or five years, the Lord has been teaching us, is that whenever you see these two extremes, it's usually because that's those two sides have been defined by the adversary, by Satan. Mm-hmm. And the Lord started teaching us to look for the third way. It's his way. It's the higher way. Um, and so there's got to be something between these two extremes. And that's maybe part of what has sparked a lot of our conversations. Um, maybe not just in regards to women either, but also families, husbands and wives. Um, and what does the church look like if we get out of the boundaries um, of, the, of the Protestant type of church, where you have an audience and you have a minister up front and we go there, we watch a show, we pay our tithe, it's the price of admission, then we go home and we talk about how good or bad the sermon was. And, <laughs> and that's that's not really worship. From our eyes, I understand it from the Bible, from the Book of Mormon. That's not how the early Christians worshipped. So how do we break out of that? So does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of broad spectrum of things. So why don't, you, why don't we start, because nobody knows you guys yet, Yep. except for the people that know you, but <laughs> a lot of the people online don't know you, so we want to start with Lauren. You want to just tell us your story? Okay. Hi, I'm Lauren Staten. I am fifth generation RLDS. I was born after the split of 84, so um, not quite affected by the split, but affected by the lingering um, fallout 
of it, the pain, the unforgiveness, the hurt, um, and just kind of trying to move on and gather the pieces. That's kind of the church I was born into. Um, and I come from Michigan. I am the youngest of four children um, and just stayed up in Michigan. We did um, church camps and all that stuff and gathered with people because we did home church. Our closest church was an hour away. Um, so getting together with the Saints was a very special time and we usually ended up going to Maine or New York or Illinois to really gather together um, and do those things. Um, that's a little bit of background on me. I did come here to Independence. I think it's now, this year in September will be 13 years. I came here by myself without family. It was just one of those things that God made away. And I came down here and ended up meeting my husband and we have two beautiful children, two beautiful boys. Yeah, and you're and your fellow Michigander, so that was yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, we find each other. <laughs> all right, Katie, it's your turn. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Katie Hoyer, and um, I'm from the Independence area. I've lived here my whole life, and um, just really grew up in the RLDS church culture. Um, I went to a private school here um, that focuses on teaching that RLDS. Um, culture and religion and um, it's kind of interesting I went there my all from kindergarten through um, graduation and when I graduated I had no idea what it was like to have a relationship with God but it taught me all about religion and the rules to follow and when I left there I had all this guilt and shame that I carried and I just felt so distant from God and um, he's just really been leading me on this path. And um, I'm really excited for what he's doing. Um, I have a husband and three earthly children, and I have one in heaven. And I'm very excited to see him someday. Um, God has definitely been so good to me. And it's interesting all the things that I've been through that have led me here, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you, Doug and Lauren. Um, I felt so isolated for so long, not even realizing why, but finally feeling like I have community and people that are on the same path and we're part of the body of Christ and finally finding Jesus and the truth that he has. And I'm just really excited to on this path that he's leading us on. Yes, I am too. And thank you, Doug, for having us. Yes, um, thank you. I just pray that God works with us to bring what he has for us. So. Yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Um, so I'm glad we're finally here. So how did you meet you meet each other? What was that story? Um, what was that? That was, we had met each other maybe a month before we ended up meeting Doug. I barely knew you. <laughs> you barely yep. knew me. But what we knew is that we were both homeschool mamas. And that was it. And we had kids that were about the same age. Yeah. And that was, gosh, that was like, so then that may have been seven months ago if we met six months ago, mm-hmm. six months ago. But what was interesting is like, I didn't know you at all. I knew nothing about you, but yet I felt connected to you spiritually. Yeah. It yeah. was like, spiritually, I know you're my sister. Yeah. And it's almost like I knew you before I knew you. Yes. Which is so weird, yeah, to describe. There was like it's just seeing you. There was comfort. There was an ease. There was a okay, we're cool. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you guys knew each other forever when you came up to me at the church. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
That <laughs> seemed like it. I wonder <laughs> if we friends. knew each other before. Yeah, yeah I really could do. be. Yeah. Mysteries. Because I've never had that before. It was definitely unique. So at what point did you, either of you, begin to, um, I guess, question or desire more out of the church experience, especially as a woman, but just even as a member of the church? Um, Lauren, what, you know, what, <laughs> what started you, I guess, on the path that you are now on? Um, it started in childhood, really, of, you know, as we're taught Bible, we're also taught church history and learning from church history, all the different offices of priesthood, everything that this is how the church is supposed to be and questioning, well, why isn't it there now? Why don't we have this now? Where are these things? And so this started at a very young age because when you go through baptism classes, you definitely learn this. But I do remember it being mentioned before and me being like, well, where is this? Um, and then just saying, well, you know, church is in apostasy or we need to forgive stuff. I'm like, well, then why don't we do that? And just the innocence of a child mm. and not really knowing what I was, you know, commenting or, you know, talking, speaking to. And it just being very plain and simple for me. Well, if we don't have that and this is what we need to do, why don't we do it? Um, and then them being like, well, it's not quite that easy and you'll understand when you grow up. And I'm just like, and now since I'm grown up, I'm just like, well, but it is that easy. It, it is. It, it, we come into forgiveness of ourselves, of each other, of the past and really stepping into the presence of the Lord. But that's the key is coming into that presence of the Lord, because like Katie I grew up in this thing, just it church culture being that you have to make yourself worthy to be in the, the presence of God. And God's not going to help you with that because he can't stand the least degree of, of sin. So you have to do that yourself. Yeah. And um, getting to the place of about two years ago, of just really learning my identity in Christ, what he thought of me, what God thought of me was completely life changing for me. Um, and realizing all it takes to come into the presence of God is gratitude to him of praise and thanksgiving. That's one thing that for people that aren't from the RLDS background. Um, and I didn't realize this growing up. It's only as I came into maturity and, and really began to come into a covenant relationship with Christ <clears throat> that I realized that um, our religion is really a very works oriented religion far more than you would think um you know we were i i always said we're sort of like a regular protestant church but with a book of mormon or mormon light but we have certain baggage that's familiar with i think catholic and with lds and it is very works oriented you're always trying to figure out it, it, what's going on with the church what's wrong how can we don't have zion and so then, you know, in this various sermons you hear over and over again, repeated back to you is that, well, because you guys have to get serious enough and do what it is that the Lord has told you to do. And if you would just follow the commandments or if you would just do this or tithe or whatever it is that we need to do, and then we'll have Zion. And so you feel that burden, like, well, I guess we're not righteous enough. And then you try to be righteous enough, which is just going to be an eternal frustration 
that goes nowhere. But anyway, is that, did you feel that too? Oh, kind of growing up? 100%. It was always, um, we need to build Zion. Zion isn't here because you're not righteous enough and you don't love enough. And the focus wasn't really on God at all, but Zion, because we're in the end times and this is what our job is now is building Zion. And why aren't you doing this? And then you just feel this guilt because it's not here and you don't know how to fix it, but yet you're constantly being told it's your fault and we need to get this together. And then um, I, it was just so oppressive going to church because you would go there and sit and then you're just preached at and sometimes yelled at. Um, you know, under the voice of the Lord, and then you're just Guilt. sitting there like, I want to do that, but how do I do that? Yeah. And and honestly, having no clue who God is, and just being like, well, I want to do the right things. I want to be righteous. I want to build Zion, but I don't even know who God is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the focus is totally not on God whatsoever, and just like what do i even do i'm just sitting here in the pew i'm listening to these words and i just i leave feeling guilty and you know everything is planned out you go and everything is on paper we're having this sermon spoke by this person today this hymn um, this person's doing special music and you just have to sit in your chair and just be quiet and just listen and hear what word the lord has for you through another person and frequently it's not something that ever filled my soul with joy it made me feel so guilty life-giving it was not no it was not and i definitely identify with the fact that the what was preached in earnest the how was never taught and i don't think it was from a lack of holding that information back but rather a lack of how to share that did you ever wonder listening to priesthood telling sermons like oh the lord told me this and you're thinking well how did he tell you did you hear did you hear an audible voice or what and you're wondering how you can hear the lord yes and it was always a mystery no no um, i knew how to hear the lord Uh, the the way i heard the lord was from those who gave the word ah that was that was essentially i look forward to church camps because that's when the spirit really came because we were all gathered together And we would receive the Lord, and we always looked to the elders to yeah. say, "Thus saith the Spirit: God yeah. loves you." And I was I, waiting for that moment. I, yes, and I, I really, and then it would almost be like I was not worthy enough to receive the word if that didn't come yeah. or happen, or somebody didn't say it. Well, so that was the thing. Those were wonderful experiences when someone who was truly under the inspiration of the Spirit spoke. Oh, yes. You know, and it seemed like it was usually at camps. I don't that always yeah, like that, that was the place. Happen. It never yeah, happened yeah. at church. That should have gave us a clue. Very rarely. Um, it was Ooh. when we got outside of our traditions and we're all in our shorts and T-shirts and yeah. having fun. and we're Round in, a fire. In the, we're in the round of fire. And then the Lord speaks. Uh, you know, it happened more there than at church. But Oh, it also uh, happened after a lot of... Praise and worship, we yeah. sing to God. Yeah. But, you know, I, one of the things I definitely realized from the scriptures the big failure of priesthood in our LDS culture, and I think in a lot of church cultures, is Ephesians, where it says that they are, these ministers are put in the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so 
Although there may have been people who occasionally said, thus saith the Spirit, no one ever taught us how we can mm -hmm. hear the Spirit for ourselves and and work in the various gifts of the Spirit. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I'm actually um, reading a book right now, um, and she very clearly says that she had an experience with God. She goes on to describe this, and essentially God was leading her into relationship with him. And when you have a lack of relationship with God, all that's left is religion. Wow. That spoke powerfully to me because that's exactly what I experienced. It was, and I don't think it was done on purpose at all by any means. And I hold no anger or frustration towards people for not teaching me because you can only teach what you know. And if you don't know personal relationship with God, you don't know your yeah. identity in him, your worth in him, you can only pass on what you know. Yeah, we were taught religion, not necessarily spirituality. Right. So, Katie, I, I mean, how did you... I assume you didn't realize at first or initially as you were younger, but as time came by, you began to realize something is not quite fulfilling to you. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that journey or how you came to where you yeah. are now? So, um, I will say the number one thing that I just knew was wrong was coming to church and having it all already organized of this is the box we're going to put God in today and we're going to limit him here and it just never felt right and when I would express that to other people they're like well we just this is just the way that we do it and um, this is just it and if you ever had like I had an experience a couple years ago where the Lord very firmly gave me a hymn that he wanted us to sing in the middle of a service. And I remember feeling so frustrated because I knew this hymn needed to be sung like now. God wanted this, but yet I was in bondage to the service and I couldn't freely share. It wouldn't have been received. And I remember just sitting there with this heavy weight and just feeling grieved. And I think God was trying to show me look, like I can't even speak to you. I can't even um, share these things and you guys follow through because you've put me in this box. And I just really sat there and was just so sad because I wanted to sing this song to him and, and us as a body, but I had to end up waiting until next week when I was able to share with someone after a priesthood, like, hey, by the way, God gave me this. And we were able to sing it the next week but how sad is that, that God had to wait an entire week for us to sing that hymn that he wanted then. And mm -hmm. I just really felt how much that hurt his heart. Yeah. I was just really connected to the Lord in that moment. And um, I'll say I had no idea how to communicate with God. I didn't. I've heard other people say that. And when people would say, well, God told me this, I was just like, how? And because I had all that guilt and shame, because I never measured up to the standard that was always said you're supposed to be at, like you're supposed to be here and I'm always down here. And it was like, why can't I ever get up here? You know, mm -hmm. and constantly reaching, always feeling, mm -hmm. feeling like a failure. And I believe in you, God. I had my own personal testimony of him when I was 12, but yet who are you? And I know I believe these things in scriptures, but I have no personal experience with you beyond this and what other people are sharing. And it was like this huge disconnect. I'm like, I read these things. I believe them. 
but our church isn't anything like that. And just feeling like something is so wrong. Um, I just knew in my heart that it was not right and that it wasn't pleasing to God. And I just honestly would just feel so disconnected. I didn't want to go to church Hmm. anywhere. I just felt like I couldn't find him at church, which is you're supposed to be able to go to church and find God, but I wasn't. Yeah. I actually, um, to a part of that, found myself longing as I'm sitting listening to the sermon, knowing that whoever was bringing the message spent the entire week in preparation and dwelling in the spirit. And I actually wanted to be a part of that because that was that person just coming in earnest to God, um, dwelling in his spirit, receiving what God had for them. And that's what I wanted to be a part of. And I think that's where that longing for priesthood comes in, because again, I don't think that's the intended message by any means that the only way that you can hear from God or be in his presence is if you're um, hearing from the priesthood or our priesthood. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that that is the subliminal message that's coming through despite good intentions. Mm. Um, that really, and I, I understand, you know, women in the priesthood, That's if that's how God works, you it should be for all. Yeah. And God intended his presence to be for all, but in a different way, in a free way. Yeah. That's why, for me, is a great discovery um, to recently understand. You know, with the the presentations I did on priesthood recently, however controversial that may be, but I understand it is not that the Lord is trying to take anything away from us. Yeah. What it is is that our version of priesthood, as we understand it, has suppressed the true priesthood that God wants. And that priesthood is in the Book of Mormon and it's in the New Testament and it's the royal priesthood of the believer that every person has when they have Christ in them. Um, And that priesthood is suppressed because if you have another priesthood, then they do everything, then that other priesthood is suppressed. But there's also oppression happening for the current priesthood. There's that weight. So not only do you have the suppression of the royal priesthood, but then you have the oppression of what we currently have. Yeah, from top top to bottom, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody suffers, whether you're in the priest, out of the priesthood, a man, a, a woman, a member. I mean, there's a lot of oppression in the church. It's not really, you know, Paul says our enemy is not flesh and blood. Yeah. So it's Satan. And, and so this isn't about putting anyone down, but it's about, we need to get free. You know, the Christ came to set us free, you know, and the thing is, but then when Christ sets us free, we then take his beautiful gospel that sets us free. And then we develop a religion and then religion puts us back into oppression again. Well, because it removes us from relationship with him. Yeah. You just follow a set of rules. Um, go through this program and it'll all be well with you. You pay your tithe, you go to church on Sunday, um, whatever the rules are that right. you are taught, you follow these rules, then you're good. You know, uh, and again, I'm just going to say, I've said this before, but at the last day, Jesus says, you come before me, he says, there'll be some that he'll say, depart, I never knew you. And those people are people doing all kinds of works, right? So if we're just following a rule book and all that, and we don't really know him, uh, then we're in trouble. So religion is going to fail a lot of people. Uh, Which that was me 
Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I didn't know. Like, I would have been that person standing there and he would have said, I don't know you or you don't know me or both. And I would have said, you're right. And, and then I would have been even more grieved because I knew that already, but yeah. I didn't know how to fix it. Yep. And, and it's true. Like, there's, I don't blame anyone. I'm not angry, but it was just, thank you, God, for showing me the truth of this so that we can finally come to what you want us to have. And for me, it was really recognizing that there is a balance between mm -hmm. men and women and yes. it's off, completely yes. off. And in our RLDS culture, that balance is totally toward the priesthood, especially. Now, if you're a man and not priesthood, well, I don't know where you fit in either. But I mean, that also explains that balance being off. Um, you know, there, it should be men and women meeting at the center, not going all this way or even mm -hmm. going that way. Like the church tried to do in the eighties with the women, yeah. that wasn't right either. And we all knew that. And I think on a heart level, people know that now too, but they don't know what to do about it because it's just so ingrained in our culture. Yeah. God is on the move to break these cycles because he so deeply desires connection, personal relationship with his people. And when we've come so far away, God always, he's such a good father. He makes a way. The invitation's always there. It never yeah. goes away. It is always there. And he will always make a way for us to answer and accept that invitation. Absolutely. I wanted to get back to something you were talking about, about putting God in a box, you know, restraining him. It's, you know, you were talking about the order of the service. Um, and so in our LDS tradition, we always had an order and it never really varied too much. You might have one or two more songs you normally would or one less song than you normally would. But you're, overall, you're always going to have a certain order to... Very Catholic, actually. You know, we're going to have an invocation and invoke the Spirit. I don't know why we're invoking the Spirit. That sounds very um, magical incantation. The uh, Spirit of God is already there. It's everywhere you are. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, I, there was a, literally an elder in the church that went around preaching, and he said, "Don't you ever invoke the Spirit." He says, "You're going to be calling some other spirit here." He says, "God's Spirit should only be with you. If you're a believer and you have Christ in you and the Holy Spirit in you, He's already here. We don't ask the Holy Spirit to come here because you're just going to get some other spirit." Which I thought was an interesting take. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> but in any case, it's just a tradition we have, right? This is the order. And then I don't know about you guys, but in every branch I was ever in, every congregation, there was a bulletin. Yes. You had to have a bulletin. <laughs> that was the word. Your, I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> yes. Yeah, your church bulletin. bulletin. You got it handed to you when you walked in the door so you could tell how long you were going to be here and you knew when you could get out and you could go to lunch. Sometimes you know, it was just oh, in a basket so for you to grab on your way in. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, so yeah. you're looking at it and, you know, and as a young person, let's just be honest. I mean, a lot of times if it's, if it wasn't particularly spirit led, um, you're looking at that bulletin going, oh, okay, we're two thirds of the way through. It's got one more song and then this. And, and who's okay. preaching? And wh yeah. where's my prime real estate for doodling? Yeah, it's a doodler. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, I began to realize at some point after I was calling the priesthood, I started questioning. And I was like, I think this bulletin idea is evil because it restrains us from, and I, this is something I really hit with the other priesthood. I was like, we need to do away with this. 
Like, what if God wants to do something different, which is what you were talking about? He wanted this song to be sung. And so what this reminds me of, and I don't remember the the scripture, it's from Paul's writings, and I will put it up on the screen. Um, But he says, hey, uh, when you come together, every one of you has a song, has a testimony, has a prophecy, has a tongue, has whatever gift. And he says, and all of you do that. And he says, and let everything be done in order to the edification to everybody. And so that's what it is. And if you go to Moroni chapter six, and I believe that's the same in RLDS and LDS, it talks about every time they came together, they did whatever the spirit led them to do. If you have a bulletin and an order of service, we always go by. Or even if you do, this is what we did in our congregation. We got rid of the bulletin because I wanted to. So we can't have a bulletin. So then the priesthood sneak in a piece of paper that they write on about what they plan to do. Oh. And they still have to hold on. They, we still can't. It's hard to break out of that. Yes. It's like, yeah. just let go of that. You know, there's times when the Holy Spirit was screaming to stop what we were doing and do something different. But the presider is deaf to it. Mm-hmm. And it's because we have our own agenda. That's what that is. That little piece of paper, it's an agenda. It's a comforting thing. It makes you less nervous. You know what you're doing. I understand it. But I'll doggone it. The Lord has insisted since the time I was first ordained, he kept trying to strip away these comforts from me. And like, you know, it used to be I had to have a full two weeks at least to work on a sermon or maybe a month. I needed to to work on it and make sure it was refined and it was just right. And then he would give me, you know, one week's notice. You know, he wouldn't give me anything. And then finally, one week before, and I'm sweating, you know. And then it got down to two days before the sermon. I don't have anything. And he's not giving me anything. And I'm like, I don't want to make something up. I'm, Lord, give me my sermon. And finally, he'd give it to me, you know. And then it was the night before. And I'm like, Lord, you're killing me, you know. <laughs> And then I'll never forget the day where I had nothing. And the morning I went to church and I was like, I know what you're doing, but this, I don't like it. I don't like it, you know, but it's always better. Yeah. Even though it scares me, but God calls us out of our comfort zone, you know. And I, I'm no better than that when there's things I'm either sharing or whatever may be the case. Where it comes from is a desire to not fail God, to glorify him, to love him. And that strong desire to not lead people astray or to let them down, but really share the love of Christ with them. Mm. That's where that desire comes from. But when God strips that away, he says, there are other ways to do it, but just come to me. And in that, what he's also stripping away is our doubt in his goodness And the fact that he's the God of impossible. Mm, amen. Uh, re- I remember an incident that happened in Sanford, Michigan years ago. And and according to almost everyone in that congregation, it was the most awful thing that ever happened oh, in no. the church. Awful thing that ever happened. And what was really weird is I saw the same thing happen. And I said, that was the most marvelous thing that I've ever seen happen. And here's what happened. Someone was scheduled to preach. And we're going through this, going through the whole order of service, and then it's time for him to do the sermon. He stands up and he walks to the microphone. And he says, "I'm sorry, forgive me. I don't have the spirit today. I have nothing to give you." 
and he sat down. Praise God. So proud of him from, like, way in the future. But everybody, (laughs) everybody after church was like, that was so terrible. You know, I was like, would you rather he faked it? I Uh, mean, I'm so glad for that honesty. That's what is missing in the church is that honesty. At At the same point, understanding where those saints are coming from in Michigan, like, it's not like here in Independence where you can have a reunion and you have to break it up by church. Because if you had a statewide reunion, first off, that would be like cats and dogs fighting. But in Michigan, when you have a reunion, it's the entire state. And it doesn't matter if like, hey, I strongly disagree with you on that. We are so glad to be together. So those times of reunion, that one week each year, we got 51 weeks, not years, weeks that we're we're worshiping and we're just trying to get through to that one week and to have these visiting ministers usually from missouri come Mm -hmm. we long and usually it's one sermon and we long for that like that's going to set up our year so to know that that person did that it's like what have i done what has this person done how could they let me down but looking at it from what i know now hallelujah he sat down and said yeah. i don't have it it was so courageous that was, was brave and he showed humility yeah amen yeah so what does it look like this is a, a topic that is women's ministry what does it look like in the church I had a feeling he was going there. I mean, <laughs> let's just lay it right out. Well, so I, I think part of the problem is we have put so much onto the priesthood. And one of the biggest things is I, something that was revolutionary to my mind was when I realized the bulk of all the amazing things that you read that the apostles did, for example. Yeah. Look at what they did. What did they do that any other believer can't do? You may have heard where they baptized someone. Philip baptized someone in the water, right? The eunuch. And he came out of the water and suddenly was transported into another city. Okay, so maybe there's a baptism. Maybe that's a, that's an ordinance. At uh, one point, Paul had laid hands on somebody. And Simon the sorcerer wanted to pay him to get that magical power. No. <laughs> you know? So there's a couple things like that. But the vast majority and all the things that we truly think about that are wonder when we read in the scriptures that they did are the gifts of the Spirit, aren't they? Healing, miracles. And all three books of Scripture all say that these are the gifts to the members of the church and that God gives them severally as he will and that we should earnestly, Paul says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Where was that taught in the church? I had a really good friend that brought this question up to priesthood of where are these gifts and there was basically an excuse given. Oh, it's in the Doctrine and Covenants somewhere, you know, and it wasn't in there. Um, I actually found it on my own because it was a question she posed to me, and I'm like, you're right. I've wondered that myself, and it's in Moroni. Moroni Mm -hmm. says it. It's because of unbelief in the church. That's where the gifts are not because we limit God. Because of unbelief, right? That's what it says. And so I pose this question. If you don't believe that you have that ability to work in those gifts and you've never been taught that, isn't that a form of unbelief that would keep us from working in the gifts? It is. If you don't believe you can work in the gifts or that you should even earnestly ask for the best gifts, if you don't believe that you as a woman can prophesy, 
guess what? We're never going to see a woman prophesy in the church. Well, and we didn't have an example of that in the church. Like, I'll speak for myself. You know, all the services and reunions and camps I went to, you're not seeing those gifts. But, you know, maybe on a very rare basis. And it was those rare times when I truly had, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and it changed my life in those, you know, few and far between moments. But in general, that example is not there. And so I know for me, I was just so lost. Like, I believe your word to be true, but I don't know what that looks like in real life. Like, I, yeah. I'm i not seeing it. Yeah. Um. I just being very honest in in the moment here um i had this time when i'm in my 20s i'm married i have children i'm at this place and i'm frustrated i remember just praying to god and being frustrated that i wasn't taught something that nobody taught me this and i remember feeling this interpretation of god speaking to me in the spirit and him saying yes you weren't taught this but what are you going to do about it now? Realizing that as a child of God, it is my job. It is no longer anybody else's job because I am not a child. Mm-hmm. I am my own person. I am this adult. In in this society, I was definitely an adult. And God really laying the truth straight for me that you can no longer hide behind the adults who are trying to lead you or supposed to teach you, you can't hide behind that anymore. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you have the scriptures. You have the ability of all this information. Not only that, you have me. And I remember just sitting there and being just silenced and realizing that it was just a revelation to me that I now... I have the freedom to go do that, that I don't have to rely on anybody else or get permission from so-and-so to be able to do this or wait for so-and-so to teach me this. Yes. That was a hard one. That was a hard pill to swallow. But he was loving to you. He was very loving to me. And that was what he was trying to convince you. He set me free. Yes. And that, that scripture, and it keeps coming back to me, is who the sun sets free is free indeed. And this is where things get tough because as you get free and you begin to work and let the Spirit lead you, and then you're among the body of Christ at church, and they have not been freed or have that same understanding, and the Lord leads you to do or say something, and then people are uncomfortable, or there may be certain restrictions, and that's where we... That's where the conflicts sometimes come in. They've always come in that way through all the scriptures. You'll yeah. see every time the prophet came to town, he was a troublemaker. That's I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You know, um, and they were always saying controversial things. Right. Um, you know, not to be controversial, but because when we're that far from the way the Lord would have things done, we're just you're going to have those conflicts. You know, mm-hmm. not for conflict's sake, but sometimes the Lord. Sometimes the Lord wants a conflict to come because that becomes an opportunity for someone to learn. It becomes an opportunity for someone to ask a question. For it becomes an opportunity for someone to to learn something. And that was a new thought for me. Uh, in my congregation, they had gone off and followed a man and believed he was a prophet. They got into a deception. We won't go into all that. But 
an opportunity came where the Lord, my wife and I were avoiding going there. I wasn't welcome there at that time. This is the same congregation I now pastor, but I wasn't <laughs> welcome there. Okay. Um, and I, I didn't really want to go there. And my wife definitely did want to go there. And she's off camera right here. She's, I have to be careful what I say. <laughs> She'll come over and correct me. I hope she does. No, we've been trying to get her on camera. Maybe one of these days. Um, so anyway, one one evening, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, just spoke to me out of out of the clear blue and says, "I want you to go to that congregation this Sunday." And I'm thinking, "Oh, really? Yep. Okay." So I turned to my wife and I said. The Lord is telling me he wants us to go. And she's like, no, I, do. I don't want to go there. No, it's awful. It's terrible. I said, but the Lord. <laughs> but that's, it. that's That's how I said it, right? Yeah. I was like, I know, I know neither one of us want to go there, but the Lord. You know? <laughs> she's got the biggest smile. And I she, love. She's, she was just like, mm, you know. Not really having it, but we didn't really say anything more. Next evening, she comes up to me. We have to go to the church this Sunday. And I'm like, what? What changed? She goes, the Holy Spirit told me. And I was like, well, if he told you, <laughs> got through that barrier, and he told me there's two witnesses, I guess we're going, you know. Yeah. And what happened there, without going into the details, is the presider, who was actually presiding by the Spirit, um, felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me to go up and pray yeah. at the microphone, okay? You, who is not welcome at this church, yes. go up and pray. Exactly. Yes. And I also want to say that we kept asking the Lord, why do you want us to go? What, what are we supposed to be doing? And the answer over and over, independently, that we got was, just go there in love. love. Yeah. Just go there in love. So we went there and we just like, love these people. Just gonna love these people, whether they love us or not. We're gonna love these people. Yeah. We're here with the the love of the Lord, and I was asked to pray. I thought, well, that was strange. And also, he he said, I'm gonna ask someone to pray, and he and literally the Holy Spirit said he's gonna he's gonna ask you to pray. And at this time, I didn't know this guy, and I thought, does he even know my name? Why would he ask me to pray? Um, and then my wife leaned over to me and she says, he's going to ask you to pray. And, oh. a, and so there was the second confirmation again. And then he says, Doug, would you come up and pray? You know. Wow. Well, just, in case wow. you had any doubt. That caused a conflict, a very raucous conflict. There was a, a person there who challenged me and asked me certain questions. And I was supposed to answer that this prophet that they were following was the true prophet of the church and all this kind of stuff. And she was like, who's the true prophet of the church before you before you pray? And the spirit said, tell her it's Jesus Christ. And that caused, uh, there was screaming, yelling, people left. There was a few people that left. I kept saying, look, I'll go sit down. And the, the guy who's presiding said, no, you stay right there. And he tried to talk them down. They got angry. They left. There was a spirit at work there. Literally, a spirit was speaking, not not the person who was speaking. It was a spirit speaking at me. Okay. Well, I, you know, everyone was concerned afterwards. They were in tears. I had some family members there, like, "Are you okay?" And I had, I have never had so much peace in my life. Yeah. It wasn't a personal attack. I, 
I knew that the only reason why I was attacked is because the Lord had sent me there. Not because of who I am or anything like that. It had nothing to do with me. It's because the Lord had sent me there. That spirit recognized that the Lord had sent me there. That spirit didn't want me to pray. Okay. And it wasn't until later that the Lord gave me understanding that he had engineered this conflict. Sometimes the Lord wants conflict. He's the Lord of peace, but sometimes we can't have peace with the kingdom of Satan. Well, if you put God in this box, he has to get you out of your comfort zone to yeah. let him out, right. so to speak. What Not that we really ever and, can. And what happened, the whole thing that came out of this is that was a trigger point where many people began to question what was going on here and what sort of spirit was really presiding, what's going on in this congregation. And eventually they broke free of that deception. Right. So, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta go with the Lord, but sometimes he's gonna put you in a situation that's not exactly comfortable. Well, speaking to what you're bringing up is when you speak truth, when you know truth, and when you go on a journey of sharing truth, it can feel very lonely. And there's this almost desire to shrink back and just grow go with the crowd. Because then you're not rejected and you can still have your friends and life can kind of go on. Um, and I went through that and there came a certain point where I realized I, I came to a crossroad. Either I could continue on this lukewarm, knowing the truth and still choose because God's a good God and he always gives you your agency. You always have a choice and he loves you always. Um, but I distinctly knew I came to a crossroads and it was either I could continue on or if I chose to go with him on this journey of him refining me, it would be lonely at first. And he was going to strip away these things, these um, things that were holding me back. The wanting of being with certain people or feeling like I couldn't share them. Well, God brought me into this spiritual desert, right? And this was just before we had met. And so I'm in this spiritual desert. And what God taught me is during that time, you can ask for rest you can ask for oasis you can ask for peace and you can go to him i probably stayed in the desert longer because it took me a while to understand the fact that i could ask god to send somebody in my life that would walk alongside me and encourage me and help with that that was outside of my family and katie definitely has been one of those people and it wasn't until i actually reached out and asked god help me help me have somebody somebody here physically that i can be this encouragement and this like balm to my soul and that can happen too so as you're just don't be scared to go further down this path of truth knowing that everything is going to change for you but isn't that good because you can ask for god what you need and it it is a painful process because it's much like the refining process of him taking away the old, the broken, things that aren't working, that aren't working for your betterment. And it's very painful for us because even though we know it's necessary, it hurts, you know. But um, it is necessary and he is good and he will provide. And that's part of him building that trust with you. Like, do you really trust me that I'll provide this for you? Yeah. I, I don't just take away, but I also give. Yeah. 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 Amen. I think 
the biggest thing of when we talk about what is the ministry of women, I think the biggest thing that needs to be shared is we cannot try to fit it into the current frame we have. The yeah. framework we have, essentially while you're on this journey of discovery of what these things are, you need to take the framework and you need to set it aside, what we have currently. And you just need to be raw and almost starting afresh of, it is just me and you, God, what does this look like? Yeah. Because you cannot restore and heal a framework that can it can't really grow, it can't really change. You can't try to take this framework and change it to this one because it is so cemented in place. Essentially, we just have to set that aside. And we need to seek God in this individually and establishing that relationship with him to be able to find out what he says. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess, one of the great gifts I got when I was called in the priesthood is I got called to be a teacher. And literally, it was about one sentence worth about what a teacher is. And that's it. <laughs> it's like the least written of, of anything. That was actually a gift. Because I'm like trying to, I'm like, Lord, I've got every book I can find. There's like nothing on this hardly at all. And, and I, you know, Lord is just like, when I tell you to do something, do it. Yeah. That's really simple. And I, I guess that would be the ministry of everyone, every member of the church. Isn't yeah. that true? Yeah. If he told you to do something, if he told you, Katie, to stand up and prophesy, and he gave you the words, do you not have the authority to prophesy? And I have done that before. Amen. It was very scary. Yeah. Um, as the flesh part of me was scared, mm -hmm. but my spiritual side was like so Celebrating. full yeah. of like love and power and a sound mind. Like yeah. it was <laughs> yes, second Timothy. But no, it really was like that. And I was like, and when I sat down, I was like, God, I can't believe you just used me this way. Like I'm so excited that you know, me, this broken person that I've believed all these lies for so long, that you would show me in this way how much you love me. Like, I just wanted to sit there and cry, honestly, because it, he was healing me in that moment. Well, as a young teenager, um, the times where I would go into the scripture, I didn't fully understand it. It's all old English and all that stuff. And but the uh, God really highlighted a scripture verse for me. And the fact is, is the question, do you not know that you are the temple of God? Yeah. That God dwells in every single one of us. And it's really hard when our spirits war against our flesh. Because there is that battle mm. going on within us. We, the scripture, we don't, um, we're not warring against flesh and blood, but against... Powers and principalities. Yes, thank you. And... You know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave it power and love and a sound mind. And just reiterating, and it, it bears repeating. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that when, when we receive the fact that we are the temple, and the fact of we, we know that the veil was physically torn, but in each one of us there is a inner sanctum mm. that nobody knows. And sometimes we don't even fully know because we don't, Take time to slow down and visit into that place, that sanctum where we can visit with God wherever we are, whenever we are, 
And we can go be in his presence and he dwells with us and we dwell with him. And I want to add, because this is something I did not know until the last couple years, I didn't have to spiritually be in a specific spot for him to speak to me or to start working in my life. Like, I had always been told, you have to fast, you have to pray, you have to get right with God to receive these certain blessings. And I always felt like, I can't get there. Like, no matter how much I'm trying, I can't get there. It's the saying of, you have to be purified and you have to be forgiven. And you have to do it on your own because God can't stand the least degree of sin. Right. But yet, we can never get there on our own. And it was the biggest deception because it completely had me oppressed in a box. And, And I was doing a lot of it to myself. I was letting Satan do it to me. And... I can see God's hand outstretched, but yet I'm like, I don't know how to grab your hand. Right. Like, how do I grab onto you? Every Everything we're sharing right now is everything that each person individually needs to take hold of, regardless of whether the church is doing it, your church is doing it, anybody in your church is doing it. Each individual needs to grab onto this and start exploring these things and start practicing these things and be these things in order for any type of women ministering happens. These are the barriers that need to be broken down individually at an individual level. level. Yes. You guys are, this is a key. The early church, especially in Nauvoo, loved to talk about handing out keys and stuff. Uh, So here's a key that you guys have found that we need to make sure that all the viewers can have the same key too. Yes. Um, and what I think I'm hearing you see, you say, and, and this is also reminiscent of something that Paul had said. Um, he said, it's not I, but Christ in me that does the yes. works. Yes. Okay, so the, here's the premise. How could I possibly perform miracles or heal the sick or prophesy or any of these things? Like, I don't know how, how I can do that. I don't know if, you know, and it's all about you and how worthy you are and what your skills are and what your knowledge is or how well you know your scriptures and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's all baloney. So here's your key to the viewer. Um, the key is you can't. And if you do, it's garbage. And we don't want it. You should sit down like that one guy, that one elder in the church said, I don't have the spirit. And I'm sorry, sits down. So what it is, is that Christ says, if you will abide in me and I abide in you. We're supposed to invite Christ in us. If we have invited Christ in us and he abides in us, he's abiding in the form of the Holy Spirit. The gifts are called the gifts of the Spirit. And so it's Christ in you that's doing this. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about how worthy you are or what you know or what authority you've been given. You know how much authority you've been given? You have the high priest. You have the king. You have the savior of the world and the creator, the very eternal God, residing in your heart. And if he decides to do a work through you, who's going to stop that? Well, and if anybody rejects you, they're not rejecting you. They are rejecting he who is in you. And going back to these things, when you abide in love, you abide in Christ. And God is God is perfection. And so it talks about in 1 Corinthians, when you go through what is love, it goes through and it states, we see through the glass darkly, but then perfection comes. And when perfection comes, that's God. And so when we allow God and recognize that God is within each of us, 
that glass, all of a sudden that dark glass starts to go away because only God can give that clarity because he is perfection. So if I may, um, so I want to speak to you if you have felt in bondage, if you have felt, you know, weighed down by religion. And I want you to know that it starts with your heart. It starts with seeking God and being honest with him, whether that's being angry, yelling at him, whether you're completely broken hearted and you can't get off the floor and you're in tears, whatever that looks like, you start there where you're at. You start where you're at. You don't start when you're worthy. You start where you're at. Amen. And you you start ask, seek, and knocking. You, you ask God questions. You listen for a response. And you go there. And if you're not hearing his voice, tell him, God, I can't hear you. Please speak to me in a way that I can understand you and help me learn how to hear your voice and to recognize you because I don't want these false beliefs anymore. I want a relationship with you. And then, and even just starting there, even if you hate God at that moment, he'll start revealing truth to you. And, and, and that's part where a relationship begins. And I promise you shortly, you will feel of having a repentant heart and you'll be saying sorry for these things. And all of a sudden, God is going to fill you with love and peace and joy and all these things. And you're going to be not even knowing what to do. You're going to be trying to jump out of your chair and just like, I want to tell the whole world about Jesus because he's so amazing and he saved me. And mm-hmm. and then you may run into a lot of people that are going to be like, yeah, Jesus is great. You know, because if they haven't experienced the mighty change that Alma speaks about, they're not going to know what you're saying, but that's okay because you're showing them in your own heart and you have the light of Christ in you and you are showing those people that you come in contact with that that's who he is. And that may make them begin to question. And it's this process. It doesn't ever end. It begins and it's without end. And you, you begin to have words from the Lord whenever you and him are in communication and you're telling God, Hey, I'm willing because I want to help other people because I love you and I love them. And I recognize they're in bondage or that they, um, you know, they just need a savior. They need you. And let me be that vessel that they can, um, connect with you. And then I can show them, Hey, here's Jesus. This is the person that you're looking for. He's your savior. And all you have to do is start talking to him. I, one of the biggest things I've seen lately, like on the internet, is people will say, God isn't real because he doesn't talk to me. And I just say that's just totally not true. God talks to everyone. I have really begun to understand the truth of this. He really talks to everyone. But the thing is, a lot of us don't recognize it's God's mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. And we struggle and we're like, we think that's our voice. And the question is, well, how do I begin to recognize God's voice to have that relationship? And it begins with asking him. And then um, one thing he showed me, and this is um, a testimony that just made me again want to cry because I couldn't believe how much he loved me. And I, the, the thing was, God cares about the little things. And I wanted to believe that, but it's like, is that really true? 
and I was doing dishes and I was putting leftovers away and I couldn't find the lid and I'm looking everywhere and I just all of a sudden this is not my thought it comes out of the blue I didn't know this check the dishwasher and I'm like okay so I go check the dishwasher and there is the lid that I had been looking for for five minutes and I, I mean this may seem silly but to me I just I, I felt the power of God's love in that moment and I'm like I just couldn't believe it so he'll start revealing himself to you in these ways that you don't expect that every day it's not I mean he may provide some massive miracle in your life but oftentimes it's the little you know quote-unquote things that every day you know the the lid to my dish you know so that I could put that away so I didn't have to use, um, you know, waste saran wrap or aluminum foil or whatever. And I just thought that you really do care about these little things. And it made a big impact on me, you know, yeah. to this point, you know, I hope you can feel that love I have for the Lord because it begins there. And so if you're lost, that's where you begin. That's where I was. I was on the floor in a ball crying my eyes out god i need you like where are you i can't bear this pain anymore and he showed up for me and it was a process it wasn't like i had this huge experience with god right then but i felt hope the very smallest amount of hope that you can imagine but it was enough to get me off the floor and allow me to take a breath and to take the next step and that's what he wants to do for you is be your hope and to reach your heart and to have that relationship so you're not alone anymore. So, so. Not only does he care about the little things, but also in the bigger picture, he's training you how to recognize his voice. So let me ask you this. Have you ever had that little voice telling you? where something is or whatever it is and you ignored it for three or four or yes. five more minutes because you insisted it can't possibly be there yes. i know for a fact that it's whatever and you ignore that yeah. yeah you know yeah um so this is definitely gonna have to be a part two and maybe a part three and four who knows <laughs> i feel like we waded in with our toes and feet into the water and we got a lot more depth to go into something i wanted to touch on um, that lauren said she was talking about if they reject something that the lord asks you to do they're, they're not rejecting you they're rejecting they're rejecting the lord is what's happening and you know i i think that's an important thing to touch on because that was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn. It took a couple of decades or so um, uh, because I was rejected many times when the Lord told me to do something. And even though it was scriptural and all that, and all it was was tradition that was in the way, I mean, it hurt. And I, there were times where I was angry. Um, this is the flesh, you know. I was taking it personally. I was getting rejected. I'm being rejected. You know, that's how I knew the Lord had made progress with me slowly over a long period of time. Because when I was screamed at in the church and I had the spirit attacking me, it never felt personal. Not for one moment. I actually felt for this person. Yeah. And everyone was like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about this other person. I'm like, yeah. don't worry about me. I, 
you know, because I knew that they weren't rejecting me. Yeah. They, this spirit was rejecting the spirit my wife and I came in. Yes. That's what the battle was all about. It had nothing to do with me. Could have been anybody. Not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's the Lord. The battle between good and evil. And this is a war. So I did want to say that there was a, I, in the Church of Christ Restored, which is a church that I'm an organization I'm still part of, I tried to depart. The Lord said no. I still had some more work to do there. I don't know why. Anyway, he hasn't fully filled me in on it. But we had a woman that used to receive word from the Lord and, and also prophesy. And no one in the church liked that, uh, particularly men or priesthood. Um, and I actually watched one time during a reunion camp where she asked to share something and reluctantly they let her go up to the mic and she began to share a word of the Lord and she was dragged from the pulpit. Oh my goodness. And I witnessed that. You know, um, I want to say that and touch on this about it's not you that they're rejecting because as you begin to step out and just in faith recognize that God can use you. You don't have to be in the priesthood. You don't have to be a man. And you don't even have to be recognized on any level by anyone in an organization. The prophets were not a part of the organization of Israel. They were out in the wilderness. They came in. Then they got killed usually. But at least we don't normally get killed these days, just verbally. Thanks, Dad. Uh, <laughs> so, but I recognize that it's if the Lord is sending you, it's, it's for his glory, his purpose. It's not your glory. It's not our purpose. If we are rejected, it's not us that's being rejected. The most important thing is in anything you're doing, if it's from the Lord, you have to carry the love of the Lord in your heart for the people that you are sharing with, even if it's an enemy, yeah. right? Because he said, love your enemies. Um, and I know we're going to have to end soon, but we have to definitely come back and keep doing this. Um, is there anything that is on your mind that you want to share before we stop? I, I do have something that's on my mind. So the rejection that you began to feel, um, what came to me, and that is what you were going through, is the birthright of every woman in the church. Hmm. That was my birthright in the church, was immediate rejection that I was not allowed to share, that what I had to share would not be received. And so you experiencing later in life gives you that window into seeing what we experience from birth as women. So, and maybe that's a revelation to some of the men, but just as a window of peeking into what women have, we are not able to share. When God gives us something, we are immediately rejected, and so we don't, and share. And so this starts from a very young age. So we're not just battling something that we discovered a few years ago, like, oh, now we gotta unlearn this. This is a lifetime. Yeah. And that's hard, but the the message I definitely is that's placed on my heart is knowing when you can truly identify who God is. God is your good father and he loves you beyond measure. And knowing that he is your good father and he's created you perfectly the way you are, especially the way you are, because he has a work to do with you. Just knowing that 
is that first step. Everything we've talked about is the first step and to understand really just receiving the ministry of women. But it starts with personal relationship and knowing who God is and how he feels about you. And you matter. And um, something Katie and I both talked about in I, I'm sure you all feel comfortable me sharing. If you as a woman or even if men want to understand more, please reach out to us. We would love to be encouragement to you, to walk with you, to be a sister to you, to encourage you in this journey because it's hard. And even though we haven't been on this very long, we're just that much further ahead and would love to help you through this because it's hard. I looked around for anybody who was going on this journey when I was doing this a few years ago and nobody was there and it was completely lonely, but you don't have to be alone. If you're here and you're watching this and this is something you're wanting, you have it. And we freely give because God has freely given to us. Yeah, I'm going to put any contact information you guys want to put. And I know it's the internet, so have to be careful what you're putting out there, but maybe it's an email or something. Um, we'll put it on the screen here for everybody. Um, Perfect. You know, the reason why you guys had to figure this out so much, like not even know that you knew how to hear the voice of the Lord until you started to have these experiences is because um, the the one job that ministers of a church body were supposed to do, we, we never did. That was equip the body. And equipping the body is not magic wand. You have you have these powers, but it's teaching you how you can work with the Lord and by the Spirit you receive these things. And so that's something I definitely would like to come back to with you guys. Please. That we are we would discuss how it is that the Lord has taught us to begin to walk in these things and and realize we are ourselves learners and students. Absolutely. So yeah. we're we're trying to catch up because we've been taught wrong traditions as well. And we're, we're in the learning process. We have had some experiences, and probably some of you have as well. And so in that community, that, that that's the body of Christ. And this is a community. Sometimes these have to be online because in our individual congregations, maybe not so much we have all those opportunities. But there are those more and more like you, like ourselves, that the Lord is breaking out of these bonds. And he's setting us free. And as we, as we do, we become the body of Christ truly for the first time. Yeah. So... Anyway, I really appreciate you both Thank you. joining me. I'd like thing. to, yeah, go ahead. The other thing I want to mention is your identity, who you are. You are a child of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is the most important title you will ever carry. Whether you're a man or a woman, you are a child of God. And he loves you very much. And when you start asking him who you are, he'll show you who your identity is in him. And it will change everything. And that's, I think, maybe the purpose of this is we're just supposed to be pointing you guys to Christ. And we are trying to help you understand these traditions that we're learning aren't quite right. Um, And it's not that we're angry or that we have any malice. Um, It's just recognizing those areas that have been wrong and trying to correct those because God wants to free all of his children from these false beliefs and traditions of men because it's so hard for him to work with you when you are of two belief systems. He wants you to know his truth and then he can reveal more and more and more. 
to where we have those gifts and we're seeing those. And I think he's working on that right now, unlocking those gifts because people are coming out of that unbelief. And so um, if you're in a place of unbelief, it's okay. That's where you're at. Um, and my personal message to you is please lay down your guilt and your shame. Give it to God. He wants it. He doesn't want you carrying it anymore. It is no good. Yeah. All it does is hold you back from being the child of God that you are. And it is a lie. And you are exactly and perfectly, as Lauren said, who you're supposed to be. Yep. Which is, you talked about being a child of God. Um, you are royalty. You are a child of the king of kings. And that's where the royal priesthood comes in. Because we are each of us royalty in him. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got to at least do one more of these. <laughs> at least. Um, and maybe, I think, probably Lauren and Katie are going to do their own podcast. That's what I feel like. They should have their own podcast. The more the merrier. <laughs> we need more voices out there. So whatever we do together is always fun and exciting. And, but also, I think they've got a lot to say and share beyond whatever I need to be involved in. So hopefully... You guys will nudge, nudge. Yeah. do something interesting <laughs> like that. That would be good. Well, funny yeah. you should say that. God has plans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> be a, a sister podcast. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate everybody taking time out and being willing to sh be brave enough to go on camera and share with the world. Who knows where it goes? Who will see it? But hopefully those who need to. Uh, amen. So, Thanks for having us on. Yes, thank you, Doug. All right. Well, God bless everyone. <laughs>